Hello, folks, it's me, Dale Seaver, your host once again through the deep night hours. It's 4 a.m., and you're listening to another episode of Dale Radio, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. I'm a little jet-lagged, hopped up on melatonin, and feeling all of my years as I've just returned from a fantastic trip to Los Angeles, California. What a time we had. I'm not going to give you much of an intro up top so we can get right to this wonderful show, and I will thank the fine folks at the Hammer Museum, especially Claudia Bester and Darren Klein, two magical creatures out in the world doing so much to support artists and making us feel welcome. Uh, And thanks to everybody that came out, some people I haven't seen in many, many years, and it was a delight uh, to look out on your faces and uh, uh, say some words after. Well, yeah, uh, yes, uh, it's a it's a supersized episode. Wonderful, because we got into so many great uh, topics and issues. I had so much fun with the guests. And so uh, what happens then is mm, I lose a little track of time. But uh, it was it was just fabulous and totally Los Angeles. I will say this is the most Los Angeles conversation I've had in a while because we get into some things that are uh, quintessential about the place. You know, there's dark corners there, and we got into some of them, you know, talking about uh, kind of strange death stuff, and uh, not necessarily strange, just death in general. That that kind of hangs over the place, you know? And uh, we talked about dreams and making a little bit of old Hollywood, a little bit of new Hollywood. You know, we got into some awkwardness that happens, uh, you know, along the along the path, and uh, some some interesting thoughts about healing and crystals and alternative energies that flow all around us, and uh, uh, and uh, and digital platforms. So we talked about everything that one would when you go out there, and there are other stories that I would tell uh, to you uh, based on the time that we had out at Disney's place and down at Venice Beach. It was all around a great trip. But thank you to my guests, Megan Rosenblum, Cyrus Garamani, Kate Berlant, Matt Besser, and, of course, Nina Tarr. Uh, I don't think I introduced her or, or, or said uh, enough about her as a comedian, but Nina Tarr is very funny, and you can catch her in Super Deluxe and a number of other uh, outlets out there. that are, Look her up. She's great. And, uh, of course, I have to thank, because they are the... Um, they made it very easy and uh, just a joy to to do uh, is that we we traveled out there with baby Pepsi and uh, my niece Katrina and they were just fantastic and supportive and I thank them for that. Uh, it's always fun to travel, but it's always nice to come home, isn't it? Uh, you can enjoy video of this event with a link uh, from our website or on the Hammer Museum's website. Uh, or you can just continue to enjoy the audio edition of this podcast that you're listening to right now, brought to you by audible.com. Visit audibletrial.com slash Radio for a free 30-day trial and audio book of your choice. They have lots to select from there, and I encourage you to check it out. Maybe you can even find a book that was uh, bound in human skin. Why would I bring that up right now? Well, listen to the episode. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. It may be a little foreboding. It may be a little gross. But uh, we get into into that briefly, and uh, it makes you think, what would an audiobook sh- sh- of that nature sound? Maybe you don't want to think about it. It's be- just They have other books 
is the point. They have other books. Go 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 and look it up. Uh, also consider, uh, and this is unsolicited, but I would say also go uh, check out CISO, a brand new uh, home for all things comedy. CISO, S-E-E-S-O, has all the Monty Python classic comedy and contemporary faves like our own Matt Besser's comedy special, Besser Breaks the Record. And they got UCB shows and all, all that uh, kind of stuff available for you. Tune in to CISO.com. Sign up. It's a monthly charge. But uh, I bet it's worth it. I'm going to sign up and see what's going on. Now, uh, be nice to get on there. I'm just saying. So let's get to uh, this conversation, uh, a wonderful time of it. Let's go now to the intersection of Wilshire and Westwood, the gateway to UCLA for a live edition of Deep Night with Dale, direct from the Hammer Museum. tickled that I'm here. I appear once every four years like a comet or a relative you don't care for. <laughs> this is fantastic. Los Angeles, the city of angels, but also the city of devils, isn't it? And we have a couple of dirty birdies down here, don't we? <laughs> Caca! <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Does that male baldness come in any other patterns? <laughs> I wish. Oh, my God. I had such a wonderful day today here in your fair city. I was just uh, at a mindful awareness session down in the lobby. Uh, they do those. I was at the beach, too, and there was a fellow there and a couple of gals. So you know already it's a little. But uh, they were all chanting on the beach. But why do a spiritual retreat on the beach when you can be in a corporate lobby? So I came, I came down here, and we all just held hands, and it was magical, and we imagined each other as famous artists or petroleum barons, and we just just were there sitting with each other, holding a magnificent energy as we uh, just uh, imagined ourselves and projected into the astral plane that we were all just, uh, just there uh, buying each other endlessly and depleting the resources until there was nothing and just one family controlled all the culture. It was so beautiful and then we were fighting to board the last spaceship to get on the only habitable planet many light years away and then as we crash landed through the white hot atmosphere we finally set up a colony and then we were soon just eaten by alien megafauna. So uh, I just like to keep it real when I get here in L.A. I love it. I do, I do, I do. And, uh, you know, I think we can all agree that aliens exist. Uh, there's proof out there, isn't there? Uh, uh, there's uh, the pyramids, right? There's no way we built that on our own, just rocks and sand and I don't know water. Is that what ropes were involved, I assume? There's no way. There's, it's impossible. The amount of coordination required to build the pyramids is beyond our, our human abilities. Have you ever seen a group of people try to split a check at a restaurant? 
There's no way we were building the pyramids, ladies and gentlemen. It's impossible. Do you take Diners Club? I mean, it's just I only had one drink. <laughs> well, you ate all my mozzarella sticks. The point is, it's uh, there's. I mean, they were there. Probably some neighboring aliens were zooming by, and they just got frustrated while watching one of the pharaoh's general contractors try to explain to a bunch of day laborers picked up outside of the Egyptian lows what a, a you know a three dimensional uh, uh, triangle was. They only had hieroglyphics and those that don't have great perspective. And so these aliens probably were just like, you know what, here, <laughs> zap! And then, whoop, there's, uh, you can have them. Just, just have the, sure, you can use them to store whatever you want. It's not that secure, but sure, store, <laughs> store them. It's fine. Dead what? How many? Well, I wouldn't, I'd probably wrap that in something. <laughs> Even if you bury it down, it's going to have a little bit of a... I don't know why you'd need that many beetles in it. Sorry, scarabs in a one place. Okay, you know what? We're late for a group dinner, so we got to get going. <laughs> and then off they went. And we have uh, one of the wonders of the world is probably how that went down, isn't it? You just got to apply logic to things. That's all it takes, isn't it? I'm so pleased uh, to be with you here at the Hammer Museum. You don't want to stand still for too long in this facility or Michael Maltzen will build a ramp up to you. So uh, it's a joke for a few people, but they appreciated it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful uh, to, to be here and to be back. And uh, this show, Deep Night, well, we developed this over a course of, I don't know, uh, six months or so, a long time. And I was at well, one of these artist residencies. <laughs> these residencies sometimes they know that I was there other times I just get a prod and say hey we got to clean behind this hedge and then I move on and go on to my other things but I was uh, at this uh, wonderful this show was developed at uh, uh, the Getty Center uh, and it's fantastic that the, uh, the Getty uh, Center is a place it's run by my uh, old college chum uh, Daryl Gatinsky we call him Getty for short and it's just it's out it's he owns a former La Quinta Inn in uh, Alhambra and it's on a little raise there and oh you can see the views from there folks oh you got to get to the Getty to see these views and you can see all the way to the Costco parking lot to all the way to the LA fitness parking lot and it's just uh it's just magical and what a place I always thought that a more honest LA fitness would be just if you 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 had put in a car and you sat in traffic and you got those squeezy things that you know you did the things that you got to do like this while you balanced a half-eaten burrito in your lap. That's LA fitness, isn't it, folks? Just trying to drive like that, you know, and get the GPS and see what the Waze has to say. But that's um, that's been a lot of fun, and I'm so happy that I could uh, bring this show to you. And uh, it's a wonderful facility, the Getty Center, th this Getty Center that I went to. And uh, it's uh, it was uh, Daryl set up such a fine place. It's so you wouldn't think of La Quinta, but uh, it's a it's a, 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 a it's a facility that's a kind of spiritual retreat, a pansexual getaway. It has a little bit of everything going on there, and uh, everything is very communal. Very communal, if you know what I'm talking about. These folks do. And uh, it's uh, a clothing optional facility. So you make a lot of intense eye contact uh, while you're there, just hoping not to look at anything else. And you, you go there, and it's, uh, I, I always think about nudists 
just during the rest of the time, you know, uh, just during the day, what are nudists doing? Probably itching at their sweatshirts and their Home Depot aprons. Because you know there's a lot of nudists at Home Depot. I think that's uh, obvious. That's just fact. Uh, you go there, you try and get, I don't know, a nice piece of plywood, probably a three-quarter inch finish, you know, I don't know, where you get a finished birch or something there. And uh, you go in and you get it and you put it on the, you, don't, you can't fit that in a shopping cart. You've got to get that on the wobbly one. And you push that, the upright thing. And you, you take a look, next time you're out there buying that nice piece of plywood, take a look at the grumpy Gus in the tool corral because he's probably eager to get his clothes off. <laughs> Just get home. I could do it. I could be a nudist. Absolutely. Other than the socks. I think because you can always get warm with socks. Isn't that true? It's like no matter how cold it gets, I can always get warm if I was wearing socks. Folks, uh, uh, speaking of wearing socks, I'm happy uh, to not be alone and not be nude up here with our DJ tonight, Nina Tarr. Nina Tarr is here. Ah. That's wonderful. Look at that, Nina. That's so fantastic. How are you? Sure, use the microphone. I'm great. <laughs> that did it. That's wonderful. And you, you, uh, uh, you're you, unique in that. Uh, I don't know how unique you are, but I, to me, you're unique like a snowflake. But you uh, you spin a vinyl. That is correct. That's what, it's great when something just becomes known as its own materials. For instance, I'm wearing a nice cotton poly blends and my feet leathers tonight. It's just, you know, it's great what the young people are doing to culture. So uh, you, uh, you spin the vinyl and you do this all over the town? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Prob- you'd hope for more or you want less? I'm very happy with the current situation. You're at a good place. <laughs> well, good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Where can people catch you spinning? Is that the proper? I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. No, you said the right thing. Thank Um, you. Every Thursday night, I'm at No Vacancy for a night called All Girls All Vinyl. It's all female DJs spinning vinyl. Uh, I do the Ace in downtown once a month as well. Uh, And the Shortstop uh, once a month as well, too. And more. And this, I'm here. This this could really lead to something. (laughs) Probably, probably not. Probably, <laughs> probably won't. But uh, that's great. That's great. Well, we'll definitely catch you uh, as you uh, do your spinning <laughs> around. It feels wrong to say, but that's that's just those, that's just words. So that's great, and we're happy uh, that you're here. And what is deep night? Well, it's like as if we've all woken up together. I've woken up with some of you. <laughs> Haven't I? Oh, thank you for responding to the Facebook invite. <laughs> I've never been so confused by the word interested. But it's great to see you here. And uh, that's wonderful. So it's as if we've all woken up. We're just looking out there. We've got our flashlights. And what do we hope to find? Nothing. Because, gosh, the dark is scary. And so is commitment. And you've got to be careful. But, no, we'll get into some great things. So let's keep going. Let's get our first guest up here tonight. Uh, she is, uh, uh, oh, I thought I was going to get it all, but let's just say uh, director. Uh, I feel like there's an associate or assistant in there of the Collections Resource Library. Is that right? Megan, is that right? That's, that's what I said. At the Norris Medical Library at USC. This is, and she's also the founder of Death Salons. Please welcome Megan Rosenblum. Megan, come on up here. 
Tiny water bottles if we have an emergency. <laughs> Grab them. Ah, you all set. Megan, how are you? All right. How are you doing? Good, good. Now, you uh, uh, are uh, somebody who is always thinking about death. Were you thinking about death as a young person? Were you planning your funeral from an early age? Not really, no. no. It just kind of crept up on me like it does. Not laying out morning gowns and that kind of thing, right. circling things in the Sears catalog. I, I was raised Catholic, though. Oh, so. so you have some thoughts about it. Yeah, so that, uh, you know, tends to uh, engender a little morbid curiosity just, you know, in general. <laughs> I but guess so, because you're bombarded with it, aren't you? Yeah. All of the imagery and things. Mm-hmm. Well, but Rosenblum is not a Catholic name, or it is? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not... Uh, it's not Catholic. I married. No. Married into it. Yes. Good. All right. Well, you did okay. This is a picture of the funeral parlor where I'm going to be buried. This, I, I had to reserve it early because they book up, but it looks like it's going to be a fun place, and uh, I hope I have a, a good time there. I like the wood paneling. Yeah, it's about the size of my usual audiences. But anyhow, uh, uh, Megan, you are involved with something uh, called the Death Salon. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a global gathering uh, founded by morticians. Mm-hmm. It's a fun group. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you work to demystify uh, denial and fear around death. Is that true? That's true. Guilty as charged. Yes. And uh, so, so uh, what happens at these events? So we get together. We, we have this group that started online, and it's called the Order of the Good Death. Yeah. And it's a collective of academics, artists, writers, and morticians who are doing interesting work surrounding death, trying to break taboos about talking about death, uh, you know, doing things that are um, more, say, natural and green, or doing interesting things with technology around death, and or delving into particular history, uh, interesting histories about death. And then we take all of these order members, and then we go to a city, and we get up and do talks and perform artistic performances for people. Are and there we've robes done them all involved? Uh, you know, we really need to up our wardrobe game, Yeah, I, I think. would put some robes on the list for Lots the next... Lots of dresses, but no robes so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any good society needs some robes. Yes, I agree. That's Especially if it's learned. called the Order of the Good Death, I mean. You the, need robes. We did have them for the initiation process, but I can't really talk about that. <laughs> but other than that, it was There just, we go. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And so, but the whole idea is that we shouldn't really uh, fear, fear death, right? It's, gonna, it's just an inevitable chemical process, and that at the end of the day, we all end up as just a pile of uh, loose bladders and bones. Is the how do you get up every morning, Megan? <laughs> Thinking uh, about that? Yeah, I you know, it's not that we shouldn't fear it because I think that's a natural thing to fear it. Yeah. It's more uh, that we shouldn't deny it. And they're actually We should not deny it. We shouldn't deny it. We shouldn't yes. pretend that it doesn't exist. We shouldn't just live our lives pretending that this isn't the end eventually. But what it actually does, there are a lot of uh, sociological and psychological studies that show that the more you think about death, the happier you are. Because humans <laughs> tend to... It's true. Okay. Because humans tend to um, value things that are finite. 
And so if you look at your life as a limitless thing, then you don't value each day as much as you do if you know that uh, it's a limited resource. So set a deadline, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one. Well, you know, it's, it's great because I have a podcast, so in a way I've already achieved immortality, haven't I? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't fear it. I'm all taken care of. Thank you very much. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, now, um, uh, a part of uh, your research, of course, you look at all different aspects of death. And one thing that I wanted to ask you, because you're a woman of science, uh, who got it right? <laughs> who has the depiction? Because we talk about characters on this show a lot, too. Who got the character of death absolutely right? You say, okay, that's it. That's scientifically yes. Mm. You know, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting death myself, so I don't think I could, you know, scientifically confirm one way or the other. What's your hunch? Mm. Uh, I'm a fan of Santa Muerte as a figure. We've some, got some, some Santa, Santa Muerte fans Muerte in the fans house. Um, here in the house. So there is a... Unexpected, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> that... What is, what is that? Santa Muerte is a figure that's becoming very popular in Mexico and some parts of Central America right now. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, many people in uh, Mexico are Catholic, but then this is like an added thing. Yeah. Uh, it's totally not okay by Catholic church standards, but uh, Santa Muerte looks somewhat like uh, our normal depiction of the Grim Reaper, mm -hmm. except uh, she's a woman. Mm-mm. And uh, she has certain elements. That fits with how I was thinking of it. Right? <laughs> so you might see her in really beautiful, brightly colored, you know, robes. Sure. Just like you, just like you require. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's a lot of uh, sort of, she has a lot of accessories. And um, actually, your little owl pin is one um, she wears. She's often depicted with an owl because there are some Aztec uh, native... Um, beliefs that are kind of woven into the Santa Muerte idea, and one is that the owls are the messengers of uh, between the lands of the living and the dead. Wow, that is fat. Mm -hmm. That probably does add up to popularity. So if you if you've seen Breaking Bad, yes, and there was that one scene where those guys were crawling on their bellies to the shrine, and then they hung up the. Uh, the photo yeah. of, of Walter White. Anyone remember that? It's my that favorite was, scene. That was a Santa Muerte shrine. But normally you don't have to crawl on your belly. I think that was a little dramatic effect. Well, they like to add things here in Hollywood, don't they? They sure do. <laughs> it's already dramatic enough to have this woman with her owl pins and colorful mm -hmm. b b robes. Los well, Angeles is one of the biggest Santa Muerte uh, enclaves in, in uh the United States. Wow, that's fascinating. There are multiple temples uh, uh, to Santa Muerte in LA, including one on Melrose. Will you uh, put out a map or something, like the star maps? Sure. Oh, I, I'm sure I could draw one for anyone who's interested. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, we'll have some time in the green room afterwards. Right. That would be terrific. And, uh, uh, well, that's, that's wonderful. Do you, as, a, as a person of science, do you go in for all of the uh, afterlife and that kind of thing, like going to come back, or that's part of the problem? Yeah, that, I think that's probably part of the problem for me, for me personally. But uh, part of what we do at Death Salon is that we explore a lot of different cultural practices, whether they are things that are happening right now or things that happened in the past. And one of the rules that we have is that you don't 
pass judgment on anyone else's kind of belief structure or, oh, you old-timey people are so stupid that you believe this thing because a lot of people do that. It's not fair, you know? That's right. You want to be welcoming to people. Right, to yeah. To their inevitable demise. Yeah, everyone has... Yes. It's amazing how everyone puts their own spin on what they think will happen and uh, attach meaning to it, and I think those rituals are really important, so... Absolutely. Um, and they can all teach us something regardless of whether you kind of believe in that particular flavor or not. Well, that's a flavor is an interesting word to associate with that. But now you've <laughs> also, um, you, you, that's, uh, that's given me so much to think about. And do you give any thought to your own uh, funeral? Anything at all now that you're a mature woman? Mm -hmm. I've actually already donated my body to science. So Any particular one? Actually, uh, at the university where I work, at the oh, University nice. of Southern California. You must be happy in your employment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, the, the woman who, who runs the body donation, uh, you know, she, <laughs> well, she, fun gig. <laughs> she came to my library where I work to pick yep. up my forms because she actually works right next to the library. And when I came, emerged from the basement where they keep me, um, she works next to every department, though, to be <laughs> yeah. fair. <laughs> Just always circling. Are you ready to sign the Are forms to donate your body? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I emerged from the basement, and she was looking around and looking past me, and then, was, oh, oh, I had no idea. She didn't expect me to be so young. Usually uh, people are a lot older oh, when yeah. they make that decision. Well, you're locked in now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. USC out Trojan <laughs> for life, I guess. You know, fight on. Well, be careful Until you saying don't. that kind of stuff up here. But okay, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm in hostile territory. I really I should have thought of this that's before. That's okay because everybody mm. ends up in the ground. And uh, <laughs> you've also got a wonderful collection. Uh, you you telling me about this uh, via email, which is a good way to hear about things. Uh, about. Um, uh, books that are, were covered in human skin? I don't have a collection of that. I definitely don't have people to <laughs> no, think No, not I, personally. Uh, uh, USC also does not, as far as I know, have any. Um, however, I am on a scientific team of librarians and musician, uh, museum professionals, not musicians. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know about their personal lives. Yeah, sure. And some chemists. They probably um, play some drums. Right, some of the people. probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have been identifying the alleged uh, world's books bound in human skin in, yeah. in libraries and museums around the world, and then we've devised a new way to scientifically test them to find out if they're real. What are they, mostly children's stories? <laughs> uh, they're mostly anatomy books. Uh, there are a lot, well, it depends on what you like to read your children. There are a lot of stories about murderers, um, and they... That's not, that's not good for children. Right. Yeah, so, l again, no judgment, but... Well, uh, I'll, ju I'll judge. That's yeah, not, that's that's not, not good. Uh, so... You don't need to do that. A lot, a lot of prisoners... Let them get there on their own. Right, right. Yeah, yeah just find your own way. Um, a lot of prisoners who were executed in the 1800s... But what, they ran out of fabric? <laughs> it was, was, there, was, well, was that's a tough day. Jim, can you come in here? <laughs> we gotta make some bucks, and we're all out. But he's been having a few. Somebody with the physique of a complacent parking attendant. But uh, uh, we wish Jim well. I'm this is just thinking about things. <sighs> There's a lot of these, or no? Yeah. So far, we've identified about fifty. Ugh. And of the ones we've tested or are in testing, about 30 of them. Uh -huh. And of those, 16 have been real and 9 have been fake. Ah, yep. you got to be careful. 
Yeah, those fake skin books on the yep. market. Yep. I live no in good. New York. You, get, yeah. you go down to Canal Street, there's a lot of fake skin books. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of them down there. You've got to be careful. Right. Exactly. Well, when is the next Esalon happening, Megan? Uh, we're going to do one in Houston in September. Okay. Uh, it's our very first film festival version of Desalon. So we are currently, for if there are any short filmmakers in the house, we are currently accepting short films of any genre that have anything to do with death at all that are under 15 minutes, and then we're going to jury them and show them at the Aurora Picture Show in Houston. Oh, that's a terrific place. They have a nice facility there, and they get just a little dollop of death out there on the outdoor screen. That'll be a wonderful time. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people out here are thinking, gathering of morticians in a film festival, I'm there. So uh, book your flights, because that'll be a full flight. That'll be a full flight. Uh, you, just one carry-on on that one. So, and you can, uh, Desalon.com, what's the website? Desalon.org. .org, let's keep it nonprofit. Yeah. Megan Rosenblum, everybody. Can you stay around? You can just bump, bump down there. That's great. We'll keep things uh, going here. And uh, if anybody has questions for you, you'll be available and... Uh, Gosh, we hope they don't have any questions. Uh, okay, well, our next, uh, my next guest is a wonderful musician and a composer and uh, drawn to the comedic arts, and I'm so thrilled that he could be here. Please uh, welcome Cyrus Guaramani, everybody. Cyrus, come on up. Get you going. Watch your step. There you are. How are you, Cyrus? I'm fine. How are Wonderful. you, Dale? Great. I'm doing okay. I, I know am. we've known each other a long time. A long it feels time. odd to bring this up because it seems a little hostile, but it's not how you pronounce my last name. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Say Guaramani as if, you know, the yeah. artsy alien penis <laughs> band, Guar. Oh, yes. Okay. It's Thank Garamani. you for finishing that Garamani. sentence. What is it? Garamani. Garamani. Yes. Well, I am so sorry for, for doing that, and that's probably why you go by Cyrus King all the time. That's right. <laughs> and I could have gone that way and done the safe thing, but I took an artistic risk. But that's not the way of Dale Saver. Uh, I see what you did there. No. I see what you did. Saver. <laughs> but that's okay. I see. Uh, so uh, now, uh, Cyrus, let's just stick with that. Uh, you, you're, you're to be married. Is that true? That is correct. And uh, you just got back from some kind of romantic getaway? Some kind of escape. Yeah. yeah. Up the coast? Down the coast. Down the coast. It's also beautiful. Either way, Farther you go. and farther down. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you were uh, with, uh, with your intended? She's here. Well, not right now, but on the coast trip, too? Or do yes. That? Okay, yes. Good. good. You have a Deeper good. down the coast. Yeah. Yes. And what, we have some kind of tacos or something down there? Yeah, tacos. We ate uh, clams. Clams. Uh, That's a risk. Oh. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. Good. Well, you have a beautiful head of hair. Thank uh, you. Number one. And I always admire that in a guest. You also have beautiful hair. All of my guests are great in the hair department. And uh, I often think of growing my hair out, maybe here. Also here. A uh, little bit here. I have a little bit of a shoulder. Just thing the here. slightest has been coming for me. Yep. The shoulder hair is coming. It's coming in, right? It's coming. You watch out, Venice Slowly Beach. it comes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell you're a musical individual, Cyrus. You have a way of, 
playing with language and things, don't you? How did you get involved doing that? Were you always a musical child? Mm, yeah, not, not by choice at first. You, it was forced uh, upon you? Yeah, I think with most children, some sort of piano lesson is forced. I'm sure some people in the audience have kids, and you thought, I want to have a genius boy or girl. Yeah. I'll have them learn Chopin. And uh, it didn't stick. I really didn't like playing music. And I uh, ab abandoned it for a few years. What did you do instead? I was, uh, I was a full-time student of the K through 12 <laughs> oh, <I see>. institutions. <laughs> Devoted to the social I studies. I didn't like it. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like practicing. It was strange yeah. to me that my parents were telling me to practice. You have a keyboard you have to carry around everywhere? Everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. heavy. Yes. It's hard. They get lighter, they get smaller, and the technology just puts it. Well, now where you can it do everything, can't you? Just in a hologram. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't like it, and then, and then as I got older, I started to like it again. Yeah. And uh, did that uh, parallel in some way your love of comedy? No. No. I, uh, I, I don't. Have a love of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> no, it's just you know, life puts you uh, in places. Yeah. I, I love you. Yeah. What? You're a funny person. Thank you. Thank you. But you, but you are involved. The reason I bring it up, this is why I bring it up, because you are somebody who composes for comedy shows. Yes. Yes. Right. You. Yes. Uh, you may have seen, uh, heard. Cyrus's music on Kroll's show. That's correct. Uh, something involving Eric Andre. That's correct. His uh, show. Uh, another period. That's also mine. On comedy, do you have to learn the harpsichord for that? Uh, a little bit. It's little the bit. same as a piano. So I learned it quickly. Okay. There's just some. I feel like there might be some time travel involved, but I don't understand how things work. You know, it's all on the internet now. Oh, you just call up a YouTube video and then harpsichord genius. Yeah, dot harpsichord. You're like, uh, what was it, Johnny Mnemonic? Lawnmower Man. Yes. We all love that film, don't we? Sure do. Lawnmower Man. Put that in your queue tonight and go watch it. <laughs> he learned stuff fast, that Keanu. You show him any video, he learns it right away. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. He once showed up at a party, took a drink of wine, uh, put down the glass, and went back outside and left with a lady hmm. on a motorcycle. I saw him at a heavy metal concert once. Yeah, how'd that go? He's a big fan of the band Anthrax. Oh, terrific. That's real. He was there. I was watching him, not the band. Do you feel like you didn't get enough out of that experience? At some point, my attention was diverted yeah. from Keanu to the band, and then I left. But now, how do you get started, though, if you're somebody that's uh, drifted from music, and yet you get pulled back into, and you don't care for comedy or laughter, and you get pulled back into the world of doing scores for these shows? It happens one day at a time. One day at a time. I, uh, it was, I, I had started you know, revitalizing my chops. Yeah. And uh, was feeling better about composing and playing different instruments. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I thought I would take just about any gig. And I ended up, uh, I was recording podcasts, yes. much like your own. Yeah. And I, I 
became friends with some very funny and talented people, and we enjoyed making fun things together. And what it really is, is if you enjoy making fun things, whether or not it's comedy, you end up having a fun time. That's, so, that's powerful, powerful stuff mm. to think about. And uh, you were doing some engineering with the podcast, is that Yes. It? So yeah. can you make them sound more successful? <laughs> because I would love to work with you. You have my card. So, and, uh, well, and definitely give all the folks you've been working with my fax number. That's over at Earwolf. Is that what you've been doing? It was. Yeah? It and was now? for years. And now? now I'm, I'm uh, with a new media company, Uh-oh. a YouTube company uh-huh. called Super Deluxe. Hot. It's hot. That is hot. We're all hot. talking. I heard a lot of buzz about that just coming in. But I do, I do a lot of that. But I, I was like, what's going on? Yeah, down the parking structure. There's a, a few self-meditative group people yeah. in that company. But I do that for my work. I'm still doing some occasional shows for Comedy Central and Adult Swim. That's great. What do you think death sounds like? What do I think death sounds like? Yeah. Is, do you know the answer? <laughs> I'm guessing it's like a... Sounds good to me. See, yeah, that, I think you nailed it. See, Just, uh, something needed WD forty. <laughs> <laughs> that's always, yeah, that's death right there. I wish I had some oil, but I don't, so now I'm dead. Uh, and uh, you, um, uh, you're also involved in this band, Hot Karate. That is my band. Yeah, what is Hot Karate? Hot Karate is, well, I have a couple music projects. That's just like a heavy metal venture. Yeah. Um, There's some good friends of mine that we've been making records for a few years. Very personal to me. Um, I've also played with a couple different groups. Uh, I was just on tour with a band called Shannon and the Clams. Again again with the Clams. You know. Yeah. You start and then you... I once learned a little hot Clams. judo. That was uh, that was a gym teacher. We had a gym teacher about uh, oh gosh, I think this is in the middle school years, six to six to eight, and she was a kind of a gender fluid gal. Uh, she was uh, before that was a thing, you know, and uh, it was uh, she was a Civil War reenactor, and uh, had a lovely singing voice. But she taught me the judo, and now uh, now I know if somebody's coming at me. I mean, you could use your hot karate, but if somebody's mm. coming at me, as long as there's enough time to 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 grab them and then uh, step and then throw, I'll be I'll be okay. And to this day, literally, my only survival skill <laughs> is is that. I just the podcast oh. audience is going to miss that step it pivot. Was very physical. Throw. It, it was, was a very demonstration. Physical. There's sometimes I do things just for a live stream. Yeah. Shit. But uh, now, uh, what, would you be able to survive in the wild? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I can, like, reason yeah. with, like, a beast. I don't know. While we were on our clam trip down south, yes. uh, in the middle of the night, we were in Guadalupe, mm-hmm. Mexico, and in the very deep night, mm-hmm. I heard a group of coyotes and hyenas and maybe a sheep all screaming, screaming. And some 
were screaming for good and some were screaming for good, you know. The, she, the sheep some was screaming for the good. Sheep. He was not into that. Was, He's the one I don't Are you getting be. excited? It died. And it, uh, I, could, I was just thinking, what if I was outside? No good. You, you know help. I wouldn't have shown up today. <laughs> I'd be dead. Yeah. That would be tough for you. And you. So do you think you'll get married on a sheep farm? Only sheep. If it's only sheep. That's right. Is there like a sheep? Are there coyote farms? <laughs> I'm sure there are. Coyotes I are crazy. Positive Coyotes are. are vicious, crazy things. So, so now where can we hear the, what makes a Cyrus composition a Cyrus composition? How do you mean? Well, what is the Cyrus sound? How would I listen to something and think? Because, of course, sometimes music functions as a character, doesn't it? Within some of these comedy shows, you might get that. For instance, on Curb Your Enthusiasm, you hear that, you know, that kind of thing or whatever it is. And, uh, or you listen to Taxi and you're just instantly relaxed. You know, you watch that taxi show. Sometimes if I'm doing my mindful awareness, I just pl- I listen to that. And sometimes I hum it, and then I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged not to make noise, and so I do it just silently. That's not silent, but just so you know what I'm talking about. Mm. Inner and silence. Inner silence. Uh, music can be powerful that way, can it? And, and how do you achieve that? And then what is the thing that makes it definitely yours? So that if I'm listening to it, I think, oh, there's Cyrus on Adult Swim or whatever it is. I think it takes a tasteful ear. I've got it. And it's a bit like, like for me, the studio is like music salons, you know. And I take a very methodical approach to my music. And I think part of why I've been able to work doing music and comedy isn't because I do these funny, you know, slide whistle comedy songs, but... You know, real comedy is about the nuance and, you know, sometimes not the big obvious thing. Yeah. So, if you can listen to a piece and it gets your attention and you think, this is good, but, you know, they're not really trying too hard, I bet it's Cyrus. Nice and gentle. Ease into it slowly. Well, that's wonderful, Cyrus. I wish you all the best with it. And uh, where can we see you next? You're going to be got some things coming up. I have a tour in June. Good. With a new project of mine called Honus Honus. Hummus Hummus. Hummus Hummus. Yeah. Honus Honus Band. We will be going from Vancouver to down the coast. You like it down there? I do. Yeah. And then. Uh, we'll be coming through here in June also to the Terragram Ballroom, and you're hearing it first on your show. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? Cyrus Garamani. Thank you. Cyrus King. Either, Either will way. do. Thank you for being here. That's Thank wonderful. you. It's my pleasure. That's wonderful. All right, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Uh, we're going to continue to parlay this nuance and these subtle things with my next guest. I'm so thrilled that she could be here. Uh, she's been everywhere. I talked to somebody earlier. They said she's the queen of L.A. She's the queen of L.A. You got it. How did you get her? Well, she's here, and I'm excited. I've been wanting to talk to her for a long time. Uh, you may have seen her in a variety of things. She's got a big Netflix special we're going to talk about coming up. Just for laughs, Riot LA, all this kind of... Kate Berlant, come on up. Kate Berlant. There you go. Slide on down. 
if you will. Kate, hi there. Hi, hi, hi. Kate, 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 Kate. How are you, but also how are you? I'm fine. I brought my purse, which is not a sign of not trusting the group. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> I but noticed that. I thought it best to bring it with me. I'm glad you did. Very glad. I want to congratulate you because uh, earlier today I noticed that the NYU alumni group retweeted this event. I noticed that as well, and I thought, where have they been? <laughs> this is obviously huge. I love the arts. But yeah, How big um, was your check to them? My check? Your check. Yeah, it seems like you may have given a big... I can't speak of it. Okay, I understand. Well, we won't talk I about I it. I faved the tweet, and I moved on. <laughs> Which I, I often do. I did the same. I didn't retweet. I just faved it. Just faved it. That's a, it's a difficult decision sometimes, isn't it, between retweeting and faving and what we're going to do. I try to just go with my first instinct. Yeah, just feel it. That's what I do. Yeah. I'm a man of instinct, you know, just up there. That's what it is. You just got to grab it and play with it. It's true. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, you, uh, you are no, no stranger to the, to the arts. Oh, my God. Thank you. No, I no. Yeah, your 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 father is an artist. Okay, I don't I don't want to out him. <laughs> um, it's true, my father is an artist. Yes, and uh, you spent some time looking at looking at museums, going to shows. What's your fa- what's your has a show recently struck you, or has a work that no. made an impression? None. <laughs> no, I uh, I terrifyingly illiterate right now when it comes to the arts. Um, no, I really should have prepped in the back and thought of something absolutely searing to say of a recent exposition that no one here saw. Um, exhibition overseas, you weren't there. Um, next question. Well, I, w- I will share with you, I think my favorite uh, work of art, just, just hands down, is anything that I can take a selfie in front of. I mean, I think that's the mark of great quality. It's true. You go down there with the lights and all that, so the street lamps, beautiful. Great, I these spinning chairs out in, the, out in the hallway there, that's wonderful. I took an amazing portrait in front of Starry Night in New York City about yeah. three years ago. Still Perfect. with me. Yeah. Perfect. You used it as your profile photo? No, I'm not crass. <laughs> it was Good. for my personal archive. Good for you. Now, uh, you're, you're also somebody, you've got this big Netflix thing coming up. Congratulations. Thank you uh, so it's much. It's all about characters. You've got a half an hour to do whatever you want. Correct, yes. That's right. Uh, uh, so, uh, what kind of characters are you drawn to? Well, it's funny because my special is actually centered in the art world. Interesting. It Indeed. is. Yeah. I, uh, without giving too much away, March 11th, tune in. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. It's um. I play. I do a character who's an artist. Who's like a very renowned artist. And I play some of the people in her life. Her husband and her gallerist and folks like that. So you've always been just soaking it in. Just, all. just really marinating in it. Yeah. I find that I find that art comes from life. Absolutely. But sometimes the boundary is so porous that. And what about death? What do you think about the character of death? I'm very drawn to the the death salon as somebody who um, has been in rigorous therapy since the age of five. Uh, Death for me is just always a part of the conversation. And I'm getting better, but I have had periods of, you know, crippling paranoia. Mm -hmm. So bring it on. Yeah. 
I you have a sense of what death might look like for you? Just an orb that's slowly approaching and then going away and slowly <laughs> approaching and sort of the choreography of that itself is death to me. Yeah. <laughs> For me, for me, Thank I you. imagine. That, that <laughs> if I seem low energy, it's um, <laughs> it's actually inexcusable. <laughs> there, I'm up. Hi. <laughs> there is no way you could be low. Uh, the 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 thing that I think about when I think about the image of death is uh, maybe a middle-aged fella. <laughs> the fitting rooms at Target trying on some Marona brand corduroys. <laughs> Maybe a short sleeve polo. It doesn't fit great, but he's thinking the price is right. Yeah. Sounds like living to me. <laughs> I love putting off the inevitability of death through uh, consumerism at malls and things like that. Absolutely. really does the trick for me. That does it. Yeah. Yeah. You like the food courts? No, I stay no. away. I try to stay away as an actor. <laughs> Good for you. What about the Bare Essentials place, the, the Bare Minerals? What's that place, the makeup place? It is so strange that you bring that up. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm wearing right now a SPF tinted Bare Minerals cream foundation, which I didn't think they even made. And she said, it's Bare Minerals. And I said, well, I'm not interested. I don't believe in loose powders. Yeah. And then she peddled, I, she was a Bare Minerals peddler, and I bought it up, and I just bought my second tube today. <laughs> if I'm so it's very you strange that you should say that. I'm so thrilled. When did you buy that. your first tube? Um, I legally can't sorry, <laughs> but it lasts. <laughs> yeah. That's a good tip to have, isn't yeah. it? And you were recently in the Riot L.A., yeah, I did a show. Yeah, I did a few shows with that fest in town. Yeah. I love that Riot LA because I like that you would have to Google Riot LA to look for comedians. I mean, yes. I think that's what we should be doing is just reclaiming the past. You know, it wasn't all great, but let's laugh a little. <laughs> it doesn't in any way bring up the memory of the LA riots for me. No, yeah. no. I'm totally, I'm thinking Maria Bamford, what's going on <laughs> with you? You know, or other comedians <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that are out there. Kate Berlant, what's, what's she up to? Thank here, you. Here she is. Now, you grew up here in L.A., but then you went to New York for school. You don't care for the middle of the country? I tend to just fly right over it. Good for you. No, uh, I love the whole nation. <laughs> and I go all those, pick a spot on a map and I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I am from here, and then I moved to New York when I was 18, if you can believe it. Felicity wow. Porter. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. The star, a star of Felicity. Star of Felicity, Felicity yeah, Porter. TV program. Yes, I'm actually rewatching it now. It's very mm -hmm. well done. And I lived there for the better part of nine years, and I just moved back about a year ago. Great. Yes. It's, it's going well, though. It's been, um, I almost said jaw-breaking, which is not, it's been great. It's jaw-breaking. <laughs> it's been jaw-breaking, <laughs> yeah. I've had locked jaw twice. Um, but that kind of fuels the, the need to perform. Absolutely. Me. That's terrific. How are you? I'm doing okay. And what I <laughs> wanted to ask you about, which just came to me as if in an orb <laughs> approaching me, <laughs> was uh, you spent time, though, because we talk about Things that happen deep now. You mm. talk about, uh, you spent time with the, what, a crystal person, a faith healer? Oh, yes. My, um, I had a day job 
for an energy healer who lived in Soho. Mm. That's a part of New York. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a neighborhood in New York. Oh. Um, and uh, yes, I worked for her, and she lived in a very nice apartment in Soho, and I was paralyzed with fear at doing her taxes and would kind of just put files, just like put papers and files, unnamed files, and be like, <laughs> and just sort of, she would have me do PowerPoints of like lighthouses um, for no reason. And she was great. She fed me birdseed and <laughs> coconut water. She slapped me once. It was great. It sounds fantastic. Coconut water is good, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's delicious. Yeah. What crystal is the best? I don't know. <laughs> she didn't really work with crystals, not to correct oh, she, you on your own didn't. show, but she worked more with her hands. She just, it, it's, kind, it's a very esoteric form of energy healing called Jin Shin Jitsu. Has anyone heard of it? You're a liar if you say, yeah, okay, one liar. No. Um, Is it the one where you do this? No, I, you know, I'm actually, it's sort of embarrassing. I don't know much about it at all. Maybe <laughs> our one friend can tell us, but... From what I understand, it's tied a lot to certain energies registering in certain parts of the body. So, for example, your thumb, you guessed it, fear. And <laughs> she told me once to hold my thumb, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so, and of course, I don't mean to belittle it. I'm very prone to the power of suggestion. And, you know, whatever works, right? As the movie says. So, Do you believe that? Do you have a spiritual practice? I've meditated six days in a row, so, yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Day number six this morning. Yeah. You As I was driving over here, I said, it was like my energy level. It's the meditation. You go, do you have a special uh, cot set out for that? Today, I actually, uh, I have done it in a certain corner in my home, and today I strayed and had the best meditation so far. Interesting. So you'll go back to that spot. Maybe. Yeah. You put a carpet down? No. No. Just the couch, corner of the couch. And oh, today, it's, a, it's today on the Today I just sat up in bed, and that was fine. You have to eat first. You're not supposed to, but no. today I had just like a quarter tablespoon of bee pollen before. <laughs> <laughs> just to boost my metabolic That's spiral. What, <laughs> That's what did it. Yes. That's what did it. So I always try right after my breakfast burrito. That's hard. It's harder. Yeah. It's hard to, to transcend. Get, it, to get all the energies going after that. And uh, when the show starts March 11th, and it's with all these other great people. Yes, it was. it's really great. Netflix got eight comics and just gave them each an episode to essentially do whatever they want. Do whatever they want. That's the, that's the idea, yeah. That's great. And we'll see yours set in the art world. Is it called anything? Just Kate Berlant? No. Yeah, no, the show's called The Characters, and then just the episodes are the different names. So my name is Kate Berlant, so... And that's all we need to remember? It's episode number four, right in the middle. I don't know what that means in the hierarchy of things, but... Um, <laughs> when did you get that news? Uh, well, they, I think it's the order that they shot them in. That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> they put me in there, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, where's your buddy John? What number is he? I don't want to say. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. I think he's he's We're either talking about uh, Kate does a lot of work with John Early, a comedian in New York. But yes. he flies out here to do stuff. He flies and out. And he here. also has a comedy thing. Yes, he has one. A lot of great people I have mean, them. a character. Yes, show. he has an episode also. Yeah. 
Um, but that's coming out. I also have a monthly show the last Wednesday at, of every month at the Upright Citizens Brigade Franklin location. So please come to that. I think we all will. Great. And I've loved having you here, Kate. Thank you that's so much for wonderful. having me. What a, Kate cool, Berlin, what a great group. Kate Berlin. We're going to keep it going. Thank you so much. It was delightful. Thank you. Wow, what happened? No, we're, we still have more show. Uh, Nina, you doing okay? Yes. Terrific. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's bring it home with a wonderful uh, another guest here. And if you can all slide down, he's a terrific. You've seen him everywhere, Parks and Recreation. You've seen him, Modern Family. If you're into digital platforms, you've seen him on the CISO. So he's one of the founding members of the Upright Citizens Brigade that we were just mentioning. Please yes. welcome Matt Besser. Yeah. Matt, come on up. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. I like your charge right through the middle of the stage. You don't even need the stairs. Oh, you are Matt I didn't Besser. see the stairs. Sorry, I'm a tall guy. <laughs> I love it. Don't uh, need stairs, folks. No, stretch it out. Look at you, a tall drink of a man, aren't you? That's wonderful. What song was that? What was James Brown. James Brown. That's your anthem, right? What's that? Is that your anthem? No, no, it wouldn't have been. No. I liked the, uh, what was that, Planet Claire beforehand? Was that B-52s? Yeah, it was, it was uh, Planet Claire B-52s. Yeah. 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 That you brought me back. Yeah, would you that have that? That was the music I was brought up on, New Way. I get you, I get you. Would you have that played at your funeral? At my funeral? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have a funeral. I think those are kind of pretentious, Sorry. I think she's okay with that, generally. She's, she's accepting. Oh, she's no judgment. Yeah. It's funny, because comedians are all judgment. That's all. We wake <laughs> up and we're like, what are we going to judge today? <laughs> That's true, isn't it? It is. So what would you do and say you don't care about it? Just What, what are they going to do with it? Just take it off to the morgue? It? Oh, I'm all for uh, becoming ashes, I think. Yeah. I like to spread it around. Yeah. Would you, would you spread them back there, Little Rock? Uh, where I was born? Yeah. Is that what you just said? Little Rock? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, there should be some Little Rock. That's the good thing about ashes. You can really split it up. You can go nuts. Yeah, your old yeah. fishing hole. <laughs> Absolutely. Home plate. Hit that first home run. <laughs> first place, you fingered a girl. Yeah. You got to leave a list. All the great places. Yeah. <laughs> All the great moments in our lives. Where I meditated. That's right, just spread them over on the couch. <laughs> well, um, Ashes, that's what I want done with me. Don't take up any space. It's insane. Graveyards are insane. They're just this big plot of selfish land. It's like, really? You get that spot forever? That is so obnoxious. We discovered my grandfather was buried above an underground creek, so his bones aren't there forever. He kind of migrated down the... Oh, that's cool. Everything's just sloshed down. I mean, the stone's still there, so we pretend. But he's, he's gone. He's most yeah. definitely gone. Uh, well, Matt, you know, you've... you've, uh, you, you've uh, through, through all of your efforts, had such a, a profound impact on my ability to do things. I discovered the UCB uh, during a dark time of my life following a divorce, and uh, really uh, it, it brought me back, you know, to be able to, 
to improvise and have some fun up there and yes and and all that. And uh, it was really wonderful. So I have to thank you for that in person. Oh. It's wonderful. You've, um, you also are a fellow podcaster and have the Improv for Humans. Yeah, Improv for Humans. That's my podcast. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take a suggestion off of Twitter, a one-word suggestion. There's usually four improvisers. We'll tell a story, and then we'll do a scene based on that story. Yeah. Or we'll watch a YouTube video and, you know. It's all about being inspired by something real and then taking a nugget of that and doing a scene. I, lo I don't have any experience with that, but I love it. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> and I love what the, how generous you are as an improviser. I think that's something that's only really born after a long time of doing it. Hmm. You think that's true? I will say this. The first time I saw improv in Chicago, I didn't even know what it was. I don't think many people did at that point. It wasn't a mainstream thing. Um, I'd come to Chicago to do stand-up and then I went and I heard about this place called the Improv Olympic and I saw a show there and it just so happened that that show had Tim Meadows, Dave Koechner, uh, uh, Chris Farley, uh, I believe Andy Dick was there. It had all these people that were just unknown at the time. Yeah, And as you can imagine, uh, well, maybe not, but a after the show was over, for first off, I thought, there's no way they're making this up now. It was too awesome, especially when they all broke out in song. And that one spot, so I went up to this guy and I said two things. I said, tell me that wasn't, th that you wrote some of that. And he was like, no. And I was like, I, and then I said, so the fat guy won, right? And because I was, because Farley was unbelievably funny. And then I was explained that you don't win, you don't win at improv. You're supposed to be working together. <laughs> and it took me years to find out that actually Farley was really funny, but a terrible improviser because he was always just the center of every scene and had every other word. Um, but it's kind of better to be a point guard in improv. You eventually learn where you you are being sharing and setting other people up more. Yeah, uh, but uh, the. But as an audience member, you don't care about that. You just want to laugh. And uh, he was definitely the funniest that first night I saw him proud. <laughs> and what got you to Chicago? Because you were uh, born in Little Rock, as we said, and you always dreamt of being rich, and here you are with a bank account full of laughter. But what got you to Chicago? Uh, after school up, up in Massachusetts, I, uh, the stand-up boom was kind of mid-boom. This is the end of the 80s, and... I just wanted to go try it somewhere, and I had a buddy that was moving to Boulder, which is like a half hour from Denver, so I decided, well, I'll just go start out there. So I, start, I started out there for like six months, but then I was like, I just want to go to a big city that has tons of clubs, and I think there were eight or nine clubs in Chicago just within the city of Chicago at that point, which is insane because they all closed down. But uh, at that point, it was booming. So like I said, I didn't even know what improv was. I right. heard of SCTV. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. So I'd heard of Second City through that. But I didn't get... I just knew what sketch was, but didn't understand the process of how improv created that sketch or anything. So that wasn't something I knew about or learned to love until I moved to Chicago. So it was stand-up that brought me there. And uh, that's where you fell in with all the other folks that were involved with Upright Citizens mm -hmm. Brigade and then 
to New York and then mm -hmm. here and now it's a big thing with the empire and the, all the different, how many buildings you got, 15 or something? Four, two Four. in New York, two in LA. Yeah, big, big stuff. Big and stuff. Uh, lots of great people coming through there. But now what did I, because did I, I wanted to, what do you think about, do uh, uh, you think it's harder to, what do you think's worse? <laughs> dying on stage or dying? Well, when you die, you don't have to see that happen. It's just over. That's so what dying I on stage, you have to live with it the next day. So definitely dying on stage is yeah, worse than actually I dying. I think we'd all agree. Dying's just over like that. Oh, I look for that sweet release sometimes when yeah. I'm on the stage. At I worst, you're like in a car that went into a river and it takes like a while yeah. for you to die. Maybe even get trapped with a little oxygen with something eating at you, and it takes like 24 hours to die. Right. But uh, still, dying in stand-up, you have to live with that till your next gig. <laughs> For, forever, forever. Well, at least to the next gig. No, just to the next gig. I, That's I, what keeps us living and doing comedy. Yeah. Is thinking the next gig will be better. I mean, I've done uh, hundreds of shows over the years, and probably there's uh, three times that I really just ate it. Mm. And uh, which is pretty decent, given the you know not everything is evenly great, but there were some real real stinkers, and one was I'm going to blame the audience. So let's say two and a half. But <laughs> the one that was terrible, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, one was terrible. Here's who else was on the bill: John Oliver, uh, Hannibal Burris. So this is very recently. Pete, a few years ago, before any of these had to, and uh, Pete Holmes. Okay. So, one of those people doesn't have a television show, <laughs> right? Right? No, they all three have a television no, all, show. Well, those three, but I was also on the bill, is what I'm oh, saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying I bombed that night with those three, and it was just, uh, and I carry it with me to this day, to try and figure out how to. You I, think I if you hadn't a bomb it. that day, you'd have a TV show right now? I think that's how logic works. Okay. <laughs> you don't think so? which I have to live with now, too. <laughs> but oh, I understand, though, at some point you had a, a late-night uh, show, a late-night radio show. Oh, when I was in college? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's going deep. Yeah. That's, that's fucking going deep night. Yeah. Uh, that is what started it, I guess, because I was into punk rock music, and, I, I, uh, and the only time they are going to let me have that show was two... I think it was two to fucking six. That's what it wasn't even two to, to four. It was two a.m. to six a.m. That's insane to think about. Yeah. You know what? Fuck them for making me do that slide. <laughs> Come to think about it, <laughs> two to six. Who's listening? <laughs> Drunk people. Yeah, they want punk music. At that they point. want punk music, and then I would banter between songs, and I was drunk and high too. God bless me. <laughs> and. I was either funny or thought I was, and just the banter became more and more, and the songs less and less. And, and then I'd get fans calling up, you know, hey, this is Mike from Heath, Vermont, man. That was funny what you just said or whatever. I'm like, what? I'm funny? Give me some more of that. So I guess that was the entrance, was being a DJ, yes. I had a similar experience in that I was a talking bear in a seasonal display at a, at a mall, a shopping mall. 
And so I would have to be in this box and remotely control a talking teddy bear. And uh, it would have vo the voice, the mouth of the bear moved like this whenever I talked. And talk. you would talk through it? I yeah, see. so I'd, I'd sit in a little box looking out through a hole and talk to the children and the adults. But it really honed the improvisational skills uh, because I would do seven-hour, eight-hour stretches, you understand. That's insane. It's insane, but we have these early Why did you have to be in a box? That was the setup, is that they wanted, uh, they needed to put the person somewhere to run the eyes and the head, and so they put it in what looked like they an old... They should have put pump. you in a room. It should have been a room. Yeah. But this a is box. a present. It would look like a Christmas present. It was very, it was uh, trying, but I didn't want to break the magic. That's why I was in there for seven hours, because I didn't want children to see me leaving. The, but oh, some of I the see. teenagers figured it out, and they'd flip quarters at the box... Which would make it a horrible... The point is we learn, we learn how to react, don't we? And we hone our skills. And then years later, we find ourselves doing exactly the same thing. And we wonder what it's all been for, hey. really. Four quarters is a dollar. <laughs> I would comb through that fake snow and get as much change as I could. Absolutely. I still have the gig. But... Um, <laughs> bigger box. Now, did I, re did I remember correctly, and I, I, is, this, is this factual that you're related to Joe Besser? Joe Besser. Of the now Three how Stooges. How many people here know who that is? A few people. A few people. I, I, I'd say three. That exactly sounded like three people. He, he was my he favorite He gave it the student. most hearty uh, applause, so <laughs> who is it, sir? He's the third replacement of The third replacement. So you're saying Curly replaced Shemp? And then Joe replaced Curly? And there's also Curly Joe. And a lot of people mix those two up and call Joe Besser the worst stooge, but Curly Joe Dorita was the worst stooge. And that's a fact. And another thing, people give Joe Besser a hard time but when he by the time he joined the Stooges, they were old. <laughs> they were yep. fucking old by the time he joined them. And he put in a clause that said he didn't want to get hit. That's <laughs> <laughs> the three Stooges. Maybe that's why he wasn't as funny. But he was on the Joey Bishop show and, uh, as the janitor. And uh, or the, the superintendent, and on the Abbott and Costello show as the little uh, boy in the sailor suit that says, not so fast. <laughs> and that's when he was in his prime yeah. and really fucking funny. Yeah. He was in a few uh, Abbott and Costello movies as well. Yeah, well, there was a time, though, as I was a young uh, person, that they, they just had a UHF station. And it just had free reign. So some programmer loved the Stooges. They loved Abbott and Costello, loved uh, Martin and Lewis. And that's what I would watch on the weekends is all those. And it's just, I, I love Joe uh, Besser. And all, even his nonviolence really ap appealed to me. I yeah. Loved, I liked it. Did you ever meet him? No. He, uh, my dad, I think he babysat my dad once. And my dad saw him a few times. But yeah, I never ran into him. No. But, but you, you got to feel some kind of uh, connection to uh, comedy royalty. I do. Yeah. I defend him all the time. He does get a lot of shit from the yeah. Stooges crowd. Yeah. You have to go show it up to I conventions? I have to fight Curly and Shimp fans. <laughs>
I'm not a shimp, man. I'm, I'm just, I Nobody remembers Curly Joe either. They lump them together. Yeah. yeah. It's, unfor it's unfortunate. Assholes. Yeah. We hope to reclaim them. So now what's going on with uh, the CISO? Mm. CISO? Because you have your comedy special. Yes. And when I say your comedy special, I don't mean like you're so special or your you're not special, special, your comedy special, but your comedy special that's going to be airing. It, it, it already is on CISO.com. Uh, it's called Besser Breaks the Record. Uh, part of the special is me breaking several comedy records. Such as? Um, well, look, a lot of, as you probably have gathered, I don't really care about getting laughs. It's not important to me as a comedian <laughs> to get laughs. Most me, comedians, me that's their bottom line. Is, right. I want to go up tonight and get laughs. <laughs> I'm about breaking records. If I don't break a record and I perform, it's a failure. It's a loss, yeah. Um, Comedy is about timing, which means um, the faster you tell jokes, the better. The more jokes you can fit into the set, the better. So I'll go for speed records a lot. Yep. Most jokes in a minute. Most characters in five minutes. Like some, 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 some guys on SNL will only have 12 characters their whole career. I'll do 12 characters in three minutes. It's phenomenal. Yeah. You're, you're better. I'm better. I'm faster. Yeah. I can pack more in. Some of them you can't even understand. I'm doing them so fast. But I'm winning. <laughs> that's, that's the important thing, isn't it? But yeah, uh, my, my nemesis, he's a Soviet alternative comedian named Ivan Krushnev uh, Jr. And uh, he does hold a lot of the records, but I try to break one of his records in the special and uh -huh. find out what happens. Yeah. And so we can, but you've really, CISO is a lot of UCB stuff too. We also have a variety show. Kate is on one episode of it. It's called the UCB Show. It has uh, characters, sketch, stand up, anything that's comedy on it. Uh, we did eight episodes of that. It was filmed at our Sunset Theater. Yeah. It's, it's all the best acts of the year in eight episodes. And you've also worked on another period. I have. That's There's a lot the of connections here. Point. And I've known people who, who's died. So you see there, bringing it all. I have connections to all these guys. Everybody. You've never, never seen a human skin book, though. No, no, no. I don't know what I think about. What are the fake ones made out of? Animal skin? Usually sheep. Sheep. Yeah. Sheep always trying to pretend to be human skin. Yeah. That's Condoms. Right. Always screaming in the night with the coyote farms. Escaping a book binder. Trying to make a profit. I do not think coyotes are vicious, by the way. I think you think they, they're okay? They will, Why? They will, well, I've been around them, and they, they will not mess with you if you don't mess with them. How can you resist? Away from them. What's that? How can you resist? Staying away from them? A little bit of messing around. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> well, Matt, and what happens? The show is every week that you do with the uh, uh, Improv for Humans? Yes, it's a weekly podcast, uh, releases every Thursday. Yeah. That's wonderful. We can tune in to listen to that, and we will. Oh, good. Thank I you. I promise you that. Thank you. How many will? You know you definitely will you based on... I have not gotten any converts. You won't, <laughs> sir? Just maybe? Just check it out. Do you listen to podcasts at all? No. You don't? Some Ever? people... No, that's interesting. Why? Some people yeah. are just scared of the genre. It's true. It's too big? 
Well, no, seriously, why, why, how many people here do listen to podcasts? Raise your hand. See, that's not even half yeah. of the audience. It makes so, me so feel what? confident in my choices. <laughs> but people shouldn't be afraid. I know. No, they shouldn't be afraid. It's my generation that's not listening to podcasts and older. And, I, and my friends who like me and like consume my other stuff, but they're afraid to go there. Yeah. It just downloads to your phone, man. A- automatic. He looks like the guy from Flight of the Concords, am I right? <laughs> Jermaine? Yeah. You should listen to my show. <laughs> if people look like comedians, they should listen to podcasts. I'm trying to connect with him somehow. <laughs> I think you've made something happen. <laughs> Certainly made it happen uh, for me, Matt. I'm so glad that you could be here. This is a real honor. Thank you for everything that you've done. Hey, thank you. Thank it's you. Let's show. hear it for all of the guests tonight. Kate and Cyrus and Megan. Wonderful. And Nina Tarr, our DJ over there. I loved all the vinyl that was spun everywhere. And uh, I want to thank uh, the great staff here at the Hammer Museum for having me a top-notch experience all the way around. If you enjoy the program but you don't care for podcasts, I can't help you. <laughs> but if you'd like to, uh, tune in at DaleRadio.com uh, for more Deep Night adventures, but also there's six years' worth of this show. You can go back and listen to all of them, won't you? Uh, that would be the videos, all kinds of things. It's fantastic. And uh, I want to thank Ryan Janelle and Zach Gabbard, who did our intro theme as well. And my thanks to uh, Katrina and baby Pepsi for accompanying me out here, my niece and her daughter. It's always wonderful to see her. And uh, all of you for coming out. Just spectacular. Now, till next time, I'm going to be mapping out all the places that I plan to haunt when I die and selling them for a nice little profit just off the New Jersey Turnpike. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Thank you all for coming. Stick around. We'll spin some music. The bar is open. Thank you, L.A. Thank you. Dale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for season eight designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. And follow the program on Twitter at Dale Radio or on Instagram at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best. Time.